Welcome to the Asian Commercial Real Estate Network podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Wan, one of the two co-founders of the network, where Asian professionals from the commercial real estate industry gather to connect, learn, and grow the industry together. Today, we're so excited to share with you a conversation that we had at the end of April with our two dear friends, Ernie Ocampo and Jay Sani. Together with Karina, we talk about the issues from the legal perspective that both landlords and tenants were facing during the COVID pandemic, or I guess during the early stages of the COVID pandemic, and we share our thoughts with you. Whenever you're listening to this and wherever you may be listening from, we wish you all the health, happiness, and safety in the world, and we look forward to connecting with you in person soon. But in the meantime, please do check out our Facebook group. Just look up Asian CRE Network on Facebook or just head over to AsianCRENetwork.com. want to thank Jay Sani and Ernie Ocampo for joining us today. And you can find ways to contact both people in the show notes or in the description of the post. Thanks again for joining us. And here now is our conversation with Ernie and Jay. Hello, community. Welcome back. We are in our third episode uh, for the Asian Commercial Real Estate Network. Thanks for joining us again. Um, today, we have two very special guests, uh, very timely advice. Um, and Jerry, please introduce our guests. Thanks, uh, thanks, Karina. And so many of the questions that you may have relate to the actual contractual obligations and legal consequences of uh, the leases or the things that you might be going into. So today, we are super excited uh, to have two friends of ours, uh, two very good and personal close friends of ours, uh, we have joining us from Los Angeles, Ernie Ocampo, who is a partner at Reed Smith. And then we have my high school classmate and friend, Jay Sani, joining us all the way from New York City, uh, who has his own law practice. So, um, Ernie, welcome to Asian CRE Network, and uh, introduce yourself to us. Thanks, Jerry. As Jerry mentioned, I'm a partner at Reed Smith in the Century City Los Angeles office. I'm a transactional attorney, and my work delves into various industries, including real estate. And on the real estate side, I deal mostly in M&A, a lot of renewable energy, but we also see all sorts of matters, real estate related, coming across my desk. In the current crisis, we've seen things from the landlord perspective, tenant perspective, and lender perspective. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you, Jerry? Hi, Karina. Hey, Ernie. Uh, uh, Jay Sani, I'm an attorney in Manhattan, New York. Uh, we represent uh, mostly small to mid-sized management companies and landlords with respect to eviction proceedings. We also do uh, a lot of commercial tenant representation, uh, and I'm a founding member of uh, JSS Law PC. Uh, we're in Flatiron District, uh, New York. Great. Thank you both for being with us. Um, with COVID-19, obviously, a lot of our community, a lot of our friends have the question of if we can't occupy our office space right now, do we still have to pay rent? I'm getting, I'm getting those questions a lot. How are you both responding to that when you get those questions from your clients, landlords and tenants? Uh, I, I guess I can start with the, uh, with the obligation to pay rent. Again, being a New York attorney, uh, there's nothing in place from a legislature perspective that absolves tenants from the obligation to pay rent. Uh, so commercial leases and commercial tenancies are still in effect. Uh, the issue obviously is, is the way that the contracts themselves are drafted, uh, and tenants, uh, can kind of look to that to determine what their obligations are to, to pay rent during this time and whether there's an out clause that, uh, that, that removes that liability or limits it in some respect. Uh, 
Right. And from what we've seen, yeah, the number one thing we tell tenants is go talk to your landlord because odds are whatever is in your contract won't provide immediate relief and it could provide some arguments as to why you're entitled to relief but given the delays everywhere including the court system your ability to, to litigate a term in your contract is going to be limited and by the time you get relief it'll be too late so the very first thing is pick up the phone and talk to your landlord and see what you can work out and from the landlord perspective, even before, we've had some landlord clients who are proactive and were, were preparing, weren't offering to provide relief to tenants, but they were gearing up knowing that they'd be getting lots of those requests. And going back to the contracts, uh, one of the ones, one of the contract provisions that I'm sure folks have been hearing a lot about is force majeure. And I think Jay will, will echo this sentiment that in most, if not all leases, uh, force majeure will not excuse a tenant from monetary obligations. You've still got to pay rent. And in most force majeure clauses aren't going to cover a pandemic epidemic. We see those a lot in, say, manufacturing supply agreements. If people can't report to the factory and run the factory, you're not going to ship your items in time. But in a lease, very rarely, if ever, do I think uh, have I ever seen a pandemic or epidemic covered in force majeure clauses and leases. Uh, the other thing that has been explored, but again, is more theory than a practical out, is whether or not any government mandates to shut down are the equivalent of what's uh, known as a taking. Is this effectively a temporary taking where the government prevents you from using the real property and therefore you're no longer entitled to, are no longer obligated to pay rent? But that's more a theory than a practical solution. So going back to my first comment, talk to your landlord because odds are your lease on its face is not going to offer you relief in these circumstances. Got it. And how about you, Jay? Do you have any thoughts on like specific, I know um, Ernie touched on force majeure. I know there's other clauses that you might want to pay attention to. Um, anything that you want to flag? Yeah, absolutely. The With respect to the force majeure, again, I, I echo Ernie's sentiment in that uh, it's a, it's a clause that's been litigated in every jurisdiction essentially. And it's a, uh, Obviously, for your viewers that that don't know what the force majeure refers to, it's kind of an unforeseeable or unpredictable event that takes place that's really out of the control of both parties. So uh, that hasn't been really applied to pandemics. Again, we're in a situation where uh, we don't really have much precedent, but uh, this is something that will have to be litigated ultimately when uh, when it comes up before the courts. Uh, there are a number of clauses that will have to be looked at, and again, every lease is different. Uh, these are clauses that will have to be analyzed ultimately in the course of litigation or in, in uh, negotiations with uh, between landlords and tenants now and also in the future when attorneys have to draft contracts going forward. Uh, I'd have to look at or I'd recommend that, that attorneys look at the, uh, the obligation to pay rent without abatement. Uh, that's a pretty standard clause that's inserted into commercial contracts and commercial leases. Uh, which uh, which really mandates that the tenant pay rent without any uh, preference or a lower amount, uh, regardless of what the circumstances are. Now, whether that's applicable, that'll ultimately have to be litigated. I'd ask that people look at their personal guarantees to find out what their limitations are with respect to liability uh, and whether uh, personally they're liable for, for terminating a lease prior to the termination date stated in the contract. And again, that's those are things that are uh, that are negotiated at the onset of commercial tenancies. Uh, I, apart from leases, I would look at your insurance as well. That's something that 
that really not a lot of people look at, but it's something that I'm sure will come up if there's a, uh, a rent loss coverage that a lot of landlords get. I look at their, their insurance uh, uh, policies to make sure that that's covered. And then for tenants, I'd also look at the business interruption coverage and see if uh, there's some relief on that end. Uh, again, it depends on the tenancy. We deal with a lot of clients uh, uh, who are uh, commercial tenants of malls. For those clients, I'd recommend looking at your co-tenancy clauses. Again, you're not getting the business that that you once were getting, or uh, it's you know based on the foot traffic that that uh, that comes into the specific strip mall or shopping mall. Uh, so that's something that has to be looked at due to the uh, essentially the impossibility or the uh, or the impracticability of opening up these uh, commercial uh, spaces. Thanks, guys. Let, let's talk a little bit about the conversations that you've been having on both the landlord and tenant side. Um, all this happened uh, both in California and New York starting in March. So there was a lot of hesitation, a lot of fear and the unknowns of are people going to pay rent on April 1st? And that's come and gone. Share with us a little bit on the conversations you've had on expectation versus reality on the landlord side of what they've collected and some of the conversations you're having with them now as we're recording this on the last day of April, releasing this on the first day of May, um, are there more concerns or what are some thoughts around uh, landlords mitigating or hedging the inability to collect rent um, in May and going into June? We'll start with you, Ernie. It's, uh, right now it's to be determined because when this first started in, in March, what we saw was most landlords and lenders viewed this as a three-month issue. All right, that was March. We're now in almost to May, and soon it will be June. So we saw in many instances folks offering not forgiveness. Right? Landlords and lenders have been very hesitant, very resistant to offering forgiveness, but we have seen deferrals offered. And a lot of those deferrals are only going until June because it was seen as a short-term issue. And uh, so we'll have to see what happens when come June – folks still aren't able to pay and what type of arrangements are then going to be made between lenders and borrowers, landlords and tenants. But overall, the view has been this is going to end soon or this is not going to be a long-term issue. It's going to be something we'll have to deal with in, in a few months, not several months, not years. And that was the, the approach when this all began. So now that we're getting towards the end of that short-term window, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I agree with Ernie. It's a, uh, I mean, again, it's an uncertain time. And what that means is it's a scary time for people on both ends, for landlords and tenants. Uh, you know, commercial tenants do have a business to run and, you know, running the building is the landlord's obligation and, and their business. So uh, again, what we've seen, again, what Ernie said was we do see a lot of uh, partial deferments of rents uh, to which are uh, basically repayments that are paid back uh, subsequent to uh, uh, shops opening up and uh, governmental orders being lifted. Uh, we do advise our clients if they do, and, and again, this is really in the minority, but the commercial landlords who do choose to waive rent, uh, again, being in the minority, but we ask that they choose to waive only the base rent. Again, they have their mortgage obligations, they have their real estate obligations. Uh, so if you are waiving rent, just waive the base rent uh, because you will have to pay your real estate taxes in full, no government authority uh, or municipality that I know of has has absolved landlords of that responsibility. 
Uh, and that's what, again, those are what banks are doing as well with respect to your mortgage interest payments. They're deferring them uh, in part or in whole to a future date. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, what, I, what we've seen a lot of, especially in New York, uh, is a, uh, with respect to resident, uh, excuse me, with respect to restaurant clients is that while there is a shutdown, tenants have been offering to pay a percentage of their gross sales for now and then uh, deferring uh, the balance for future months. And that's something, again, that's, that's well, it's fair to, to the, the tenants and it's something to keep the landlord afloat. And that's understandable. It's, we recommend that for, for all tenancies, but especially in tenancies where you have a long-term relationship and you do want to keep a good relationship. Again, commercial leases are much longer generally than residential leases. Uh, businesses do want to be in place for a long time uh, and be a mainstay in the community. And landlords want to keep those businesses running. It's in their best interest. Nobody wants to spend six months looking for a new tenant and then offering another six months worth of free rent. It just doesn't make sense. So uh, it's it's in everyone's business. Exactly what Ernie said. Just speak to your landlord and for landlords to get in touch with your tenants and find out if you can come to an amicable agreement that, that would benefit both sides. And what I would add that to make sure that those agreements are in writing because, uh, you know, verbal agreements just aren't enforced and you'd have to have uh, preferably an attorney draft an amendment or an addendum to, uh, to your lease agreement to memorialize that. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I think really now is the time to really cooperate with each other, both landlord and tenant. And we're all in this together. We've all heard that. And I think um, both of your advice is really sound and, and, and great. Um, on the topic of municipalities, let's talk about eviction, right? I've had this question from my clients a lot as well. Like there's obviously a moratorium or whatever, stop on people getting evicted right now. Um, does that hold for commercial tenants or is that just residential? And I'd love to hear both of your opinions on kind of what's going on in the eviction topic. Well, I can speak from a New York perspective. Uh, housing courts are closed. They're not taking any new cases other than emergency cases. Uh, and emergency cases are considered illegal lockouts uh, for residential tenants uh, and uh, violation, uh, uh, code violations uh, with respect to uh, the housing authority uh, issuing certain emergency uh, repairs that have to be done, et cetera. So aside from violations with respect to housing laws and illegal lockouts, housing courts just aren't taking any cases. Uh, now, again, that doesn't mean that a tenant is absolved from paying rent, like I previously mentioned, but uh, they do have their remedies with respect to sending late rent notices, things to that effect. Uh, but I would caution on that as well, especially in New York, uh, because certain rent notices are allowed and certain are not. I won't get into the details now. Uh, but with respect to a moratorium on evictions, that's still in place uh, pursuant to Governor Cuomo's executive order until June 20th. So uh, while there isn't uh, a formal uh, declaration that tenants don't have to pay rent, there isn't much that a landlord can do uh, with respect to enforcing that right other than to send certain types of notices. Yeah, in California, I'm not as well versed in residential leases. We don't see that much of that type of work over here, at least at our firm. Uh, but I do know that the state and the city of Los Angeles have have uh, implemented eviction relief for our commercial clients. It goes back to talk to the landlord, which really means it's about the relationship, because at some point this will all be over, and landlord and tenants still want to be doing business with each other. So you know, eviction is almost like uh, it's almost like a bad word. You know, let's not talk eviction. 
how can we work something out to, to, so that both of us can get through this and then we can get back to normal and you can stay on as my tenant. I can still, yeah, I can still be your tenant. You can still be my landlord. I want to thank you guys for, for making time for on the call today, right? So what you guys are doing in the legal space, um, while not often talked about as essential work, still needs to go on. Um, even though businesses may not be open, the, the structure of the legal system and the calls that you guys are getting, um, both of you guys are, are working from home and trying to balance everything. So uh, certainly do appreciate you guys coming on um, and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Um, to help us close out the show, share with us some of the conversations you're having with your clients now as you're looking forward to not just amending current relationships and current leases, but as people are looking to um, either contract or expand their businesses coming out of this, are there additional considerations that both tenants and landlords should be thinking about so that, God forbid, something similar to this does happen in the future that both sides are protected? Um, Jay, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, again, look at the clauses uh, in order to uh, to really strengthen your position with respect to commercial lease negotiations. Make sure you have competent counsel to look at your clauses. Uh, and again, we don't write leases for everyday actions for the most part. We write them for things that may not ever occur. But, and this, this, is a, this is an example of one of those. Nobody really looks at their guarantee as closely as they should. Nobody looks at a force majeure clause as, as, as closely as they should. I have advised clients to start putting in stronger MAC clauses with respect to material adverse changes uh, that have taken place. With respect to tenants, I would tell them to start taking advantage, if not already, of the SBA loans that are, that are out there and uh, all assistance options that you can get, short-term loans, just to keep afloat and to make sure that, uh, that everyone's taken care of and, and hopefully we can get through this together. If we don't do it together, then it's, uh, it's gonna be a much longer, more difficult process. Yep. And and it's not clear to me how things will change going forward because I just don't see landlords agreeing a provision on a lease that gives a tenant an out in a situation like this, right? Because then landlord would be 100% holding the bag. It, it, Jay mentioned earlier business interruption insurance. We've actually heard that, uh, that used against tenants because uh, thanks to SARS, business interruption policies actually exclude recovery for uh, recovery for pandemics, epidemics. You can pay for a rider to get that coverage and it's very expensive. So we've seen landlords say to tenants, you purchase business interruption insurance, you have the opportunity to buy that pandemic rider, you didn't pay for it because it's expensive, so you're taking on the risk. Right? So given that reaction, I really doubt going forward we'd see any type of provision on the lease that a landlord would accept that would give tenant relief in this type of situation. Any closing thoughts as we look to uh, May? Um, we are hearing rumblings from different states across the country of reopening. Um, both of the states that we are in are not, um, and then we're glad for it. But as, as you look forward, um, leave us with some parting thoughts that um, our, our members and our viewers can uh, feel good about looking forward. Uh, there's a big thing going on in New York right now, and I'm not sure how widespread it is, but everyone's talking about a May 1st rent strike. Uh, and while I see that that's something that might be impactful, uh, I do caution against opening uh, tenants up to liability for a non-payment case. Uh, in New York, these are summary proceedings that are brought in uh, in housing court. Uh, and I would just 
keep in mind that not paying your rent isn't uh, isn't always a viable uh, option with respect to uh, your liability left open, and then ultimately having been dragged through housing court. It's just not something that's ideal. Uh, but again, that's that's our, our our bit of cautionary advice to our uh, to our clients. Yeah, and uh, you're representing clients that are landlords or tenants or lenders. Uh, a lot of times, folks will be more sympathetic to the tenant, but as Jay pointed out earlier, the landlord still has obligations, and how you behave now during this crisis is going to impact how people decide to deal with you, if at all, when this crisis is over. So you know, everybody, whether it be landlord or tenant, is experiencing hardship. So don't think that the tenant is the only victim here and that the landlords are the bad guys. We've all got issues we're dealing with and how you treat each other is going to impact how, you, how you're gonna be treated going forward. So hang in there. We're all dealing with things, but uh, you know, behave, do well, be cooperative, so that when the, all this is over, people are still gonna to wanna to do business with you. Great, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much, Ernie. We really appreciate your time, your advice. Um, we're building this community, the Asian Commercial Real Estate Network. Um, you can find both of these guys uh, in the group. Uh, we'll, we'll put their contact info later on. And again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye-bye. I want to thank Jay and Ernie for joining us on the conversation, and we hope you found the talk as informative and as fun as we had having it. Again, thank you for joining us today. You'll be able to find the contact information for both Ernie and Jay in the show notes below, and we encourage you to connect with us on the Facebook group at the Asian CRE Network. On LinkedIn, just search the same, and you can even find us on Instagram. The Asian CRE Network podcast is produced by Just Like Media and hosted by me, Jerry Wan. On behalf of Karina and myself, we thank you for joining us today and come back next week as we continue to connect, learn, and grow with Asian real estate professionals around the world. Thank you.